Daily Drive is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retail anywhere. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Smith with Automotive News. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, September 17th. Today, we look back at my January conversation with former NHTSA Administrator Heidi King. At the time, the Biden administration had just taken office and discussions swirled around what the president and his team would set out to achieve in areas like infrastructure, clean energy, electric vehicles and climate change. In August, the Senate approved a $1 trillion infrastructure bill, which included $7.5 billion in federal funding for EV chargers. The bill also included mandates requiring automakers to make standard in new vehicles safety technologies that include automatic braking and crash-avoided systems and technologies that can prevent drunk driving. Specifically, it orders NHTSA to study the feasibility of various technologies and establish a final rule within three years mandating some form of anti-drunk driving technology. Here's a rewind of my conversation with former NHTSA boss, Heidi King. Heidi, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thanks so much for making me welcome to join you. I'm so enthusiastic about transportation these days. It's an honor to have a chance to talk about it. Well, we're thrilled to have you uh, on the heels of last week and the CES program. So tomorrow's a big day. What are uh, what do you think are some of the things we might expect under the new administration in areas like electrification and autonomy? Wow, I think you've really hit the nail on the head with electrification. You know, the infrastructure plan is one of the first things coming out of the president's uh, the president-elect administration. Um, we look forward to digging in deep to that plan, but I expect there to be a lot about electrification infrastructure. That's the first thing I'll look for. You know, his transition team actually included people whose expertise is specifically electrification. Um, Secretary Buttigieg knows government from the perspective of locals. He knows the transportation grants fund projects that are designed and implemented locally. So his his experience will be really helpful in making sure that those programs are successful. Do you think anything that consumers went through that we as a society went through over in 2020 with the result of COVID and individuals, you know, changes relative to how they choose to get from one place to another? Do you think anything like that is going, anything from that is going to influence what uh, the administration does around transportation regulation? Absolutely. I think, first of all, we've all changed our habits. We're all much more used now to receiving our groceries and other goods through delivery vehicles. That combined with NHTSA's actions to relieve some of the burden from fully autonomous vehicles that are carrying goods and not carrying people, that will allow there to be a greater opening up in that area. I think it's a great path. You know, it's lower risk if you don't have passengers in the vehicle and if they're, for example, low speed. So that experience is going to open the door because it provides information that allows regulators to consider further steps to safely regulate autonomy. Hopefully, we'll see more things like robo-taxis. We all understand now that there may be risks in the near term associated with sharing vehicles with people we, who aren't in our in our pods. So uh, there may be increased perception of the value of robo-taxis as well. So I'm curious, right? Uh, what we saw last year, last week, I'm sorry, at CES was also some very cool announcements around these pods and but they actually fly. 
right? They're not, they're not on the ground, right? Uh, we saw some of those, some of those announcements last, uh, last week. I'm curious, how would, you know, these regulations around movement of, of goods and these reduced regulations around autonomy in that space, does that have any implications in terms of movement of goods in the air, which, which is also, you know, certainly under NHTSA's purview, et cetera? That's something that's discussed a lot. I think clearly that's something that's going to require a little bit more exploration with communities. I say that as a person who's been living in a community that's had surveillance drones and helicopters quite a bit with the activities of the past year or so. And so um, I think the technology is is there. The regulation burden is lightening. But I'm really looking forward for myself, for my neighbors, and for others to see and experience with these delivery technologies. If if I'm given a choice, uh, traffic delivery versus aerial delivery, I kind of like traffic delivery because it doesn't have the noise aspect. But I also recognize that there's a lot of technology that's reducing the noise burden, and that may be something that really increases consumer adoption of aerial delivery. So what are these long-term, you know, long-term, what are these new I don't know if they're relaxed. There's certainly different rules around automated movement of, of goods. What what does that mean long term for the automated movement of people? So first of all, it lets us get experience. It's really important for not only the developers to have the opportunity to see their technologies on the roads, interacting with um, barriers and challenges and edge cases, but also for communities to experience being on the road with an autonomous vehicle and start to understand how our neighbors are reacting to these vehicles and whether or not there are things we need to consider there. There's also going to be experience for law enforcement, for emergency services, just again, the broader community experiencing these technologies on our road. All of us will learn from that what steps are needed to have fully autonomous vehicles that are privately owned or robo-taxis on our road. So I think this is a really fantastic risk-managed way to get experience with these technologies on our road. I couldn't be happier. Well, it also, I mean, apart from from the experiences you talk about, I would imagine some part of this is exposing consumers to this type of technology, helping them feel comfortable with it. It's, it's kind of the, the the thing that we hear about often is consumers might not know what they don't know and might not know they want things that are that are available to them. How does how do these efforts help, I guess, encourage, influence, build trust with, educate consumers around these technologies? You're exactly right. Consumers, human beings, we tend to learn through experience. Our brains are wired to really put a heavy weight on our recent experiences when we're assessing things that are good for us or that are risky. So even though we in the automotive sector or we in the technology sector are talking about these things a lot and they seem pretty normal to us, to a lot of the folks in our community, they don't really have the experience. So we see it in the surveys. People tend to, you know, be nervous about the technology. Well, that's pretty understandable because they haven't experienced it yet. But when someone experiences the technology bringing them their life-saving medicine or groceries, milk in the middle of the night or diapers when their, their child is sick and they can't go out, they will recognize the benefits. They'll get comfortable that it works. And that helps all of us step forward. Experience will be key. We'll be right back with more of my conversation with former acting NHTSA administrator Heidi King. As online experiences exploded this past year, it was clear dealers needed an approach that kept them in business for the long term. Chris Walsh, Casey Edwards, and Dave Bates, Top Reynolds executives, sat down to discuss today's digital retailing landscape. Here's an excerpt from that roundtable discussion. 
So what are dealers trying to do to get this fully online and online to in-store experience? I mean, that's a great question. And honestly, it's, a, it's kind of a hard one to answer because retailers are kind of defining and using digital retailing differently. You know, to some dealers, it's selling a car. To other, it's sales and F&I. And they, they tend to be approaching it in chunks versus, you know, kind of a holistic, holistic approach. And then you end up just focusing on one or two things when you need to focus on, you know, more of a big picture. Digital retailing is dealership operations, period. Reynolds' Retail Anywhere approach focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this big-picture, holistic approach, visit reyrey.com slash retailanywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retailanywhere. Does NITS have a role beyond right, opening, allowing for these types of test cases, for these types of use cases, maybe is the better word. Does NHTSA have a role specifically in educating consumers about these technologies and these opportunities? So far, um, NHTSA has done some education, really not a, a huge deployment. You know, NHTSA's budget is constrained, of course, by the direction it gets from Congress. That's okay. We want Congress to be managing its budget as the, the law would have it do. But as we get more experience, I suspect that the traffic safety responsibilities of NHTSA will be to improve people's understanding of these vehicles that are on our roads, sharing our roads, and how to behave safely around them and any emerging traffic risks. Speaking of which, um, NHTSA also directs states in what kind of traffic safety information to collect. And NHTSA aggregates those statistics so that we can see trends and kind of step in early and get ahead of any safety risks we're seeing. So I think the both of those are going to be very important, just helping prepare the public, but also helping coordinate the collection of information so we can see trends and get ahead of them. You know, all of us, manufacturers, local traffic safety folks, as well as the federal government, when a risk starts to emerge. When we change things, you know, everything kind of changes. Risks will emerge. And that's fine as long as we have a plan in place to make sure we identify and get ahead of them. It's curious to me, you know, we, you look at different states in terms of regulation, right? California, I think, sticks out in the bets that they've made for or the announcements they've made for 2030, 2035, etc. Seems a lot of complexity when you go from state to state to state. You talk about a national infrastructure strategy, which has been talked about by various administrations for years. In the past, we've had national manufacturing strategies. Do we need a national mobility strategy that kind of connects all of the players, but also sets you know, an objective years out that says this is how the United States is going to win in this place, in this space? You know, I, I think that's a great idea. I am very supportive of it so long as we're careful to not let a national strategy constrain the development of the solutions and the technologies. But I'll tell you why I think that's such a great idea is, you know, there was a time when we had roads and then we separately regulated the cars, but now we know the cars and the roads are interacting. We care in our sensing equipment about striping. V to X, the infrastructure may be talking to vehicles. And yet in national policy, infrastructure policy, the grant programs go out to local organizations for planning and development. And yet vehicles are regulated in a central way. So we already have a problem where infrastructure is decentralized. Vehicle regulation is centralized. Um, we're working now with communications and we're working across agencies. Having some coordination of all of those pieces will be really important to help us all step forward in an efficient, effective way. 
helps drive the competitiveness of the United States as well, right? Drives foreign direct investment. Students come here to, to learn at our very, you know, we have the best university system in the world. They come here to learn, but then they're also so enticed to stay and, and help drive this, right? There's a, there's a competitive piece of this from a, from a, from a global stage as well. You, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Not to mention that, you know, as we all know, transportation touches on all parts of our lives, either through goods or services or experiences. And so the more effective, efficient and safe our transportation system, the better off we all are in just about any aspect of our lives. So let's look at, you know, let's close with an outlook for for 2021, maybe some, you know, three to five years out. We've got an exciting day tomorrow. Uh, the administration is certainly signaled not only in transportation, infrastructure, clean tech is another one that that has been really, really uh, uh, talked about frequently with the incoming administration. So what are you looking forward to most for 2021 and maybe the next three to five years out? You know, I'm, I'm very excited about the, the stated focus and coordination. They're bringing in a lot of experts. I'm very excited about that. There are going to be initiatives that will continue, things that have been moving, maybe moving a little slower than you and I would have liked in, in recent years that may speed up. That includes improvements to the new car assessment program, NCAP. They've already, uh, NHTSA just announced that their intention is to expand it to pedestrian emergency braking, lane keeping, and blind spot features. Um, in addition to continued expansion of autonomy, I hope we'll see more in V to X, in vehicle to infrastructure technology development. Um, we'll see more technologies coming to our roads that are pieces of the puzzle, like adaptive driving beam, cameras in place of side view mirrors, replica vehicles. All of these things may seem unrelated, but in fact, they're little pieces of the puzzle. We learn something from each one of them, and together, that will help That will help shape our new environment. That may not seem like the... the big grand sweeping change we expect at the change of administration, but transportation is driven by solid engineering and community needs, consumer appetites. It's going to move through both experience and innovation with communities and innovators, manufacturers and regulators all talking together. It's very well said. We're we're all in this together, so to say. So they say. Yeah, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time. There's a lot of promise ahead. Absolutely. Heidi, thanks so much for joining me today um, on, on Daily Drive. Enjoy the week, and thanks once again for joining us last week during CES. It's been terrific to hear your insights and your perspective. Uh, be well and take care. We'll talk soon. You as well. Thank you. That's Daily Drive for Friday, September 17th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com, and to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash Daily Drive. As always, thanks for listening. Make it a great weekend, everyone. We'll be back on Monday.